what is reality? Like what's true and what's false? So that's why I rejected the vaccine because I had five, three and a half hours in the waiting room and I read everything I could find. And it's just the answer about tetanus is it's so I, I, I don't think you can believe anything. I mean, that's why women can have huge penises and a beard. The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. Oh, now we have the coffee. Now the podcast can begin officially, finally. We've been we're, waiting. We're, man, I can't. My mouth not work. My mouth not work. You can take the heater if you want it. What? Okay. Anyways. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Leave that in. Don't edit that out. Holy. Oh my god. You just spilled the coffee all over the place, didn't you? No, it was water. But oh. it's pretty unfortunate. If it would have been the coffee, I would have said more swear words. Hang on. Let me just do a little wipey wipe. Oh, God. I just have to take my pants off. <laughs> it's fine. Luckily, most of it was gone. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I, off to a good I, start today. As long as I don't put my feet on the ground, because that's where. The majority of it went. It literally missed everything. I'm. This is actually good news. <laughs> great. It's great. Good this luck. Good I have a little spot in the pants, but you know what? I'm not moving because it's cold in my house, and this is how I'm doing it. They say it's good luck when it rains on your wedding day, and that's what this is. This is our <laughs> wedding day, and <laughs> spilling water is it raining. On your wedding day. Isn't it that's ironic? What- did you know? That song sucks. You, <laughs> all I can say is that I love Alanis Morissette. Is that who wrote the song? Yes, one hundred percent. She's amazing. Her no, music is unlike wrong. anything. Her music is not like anything else out there. It's so unique. She's a little. You just like her because she has a nasally voice, like you. It could be. I also <laughs> think she's. I also think she's pretty, but hmm. she's also from the nineties. Whatever. I'm from the 90s, kind of. She, I will say that all of the things in that song are not ironic. They're coincidences, which is not yeah. the same as irony. She's an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So she, so Doesn't make got, any sense. She got a lot of those wrong. I don't know if she knew <laughs> yeah. that. It maybe now. Here's that's a question. also ironic. It's meta. That's that's ironic, right? So. Maybe oh it God. works. Now, no, wow, that's actually really, I like that. Hold new respect for that song. Oh, my because God. The like, song now is, it's even better for me. Because the song isn't ironic. Wow. I mean, no, the, the lyric, like, oh, she'll be good. like, it's like rain on your wedding day. Isn't it ironic? It's like, no, that's not really ironic at all. It's a coincidence. Or it's just like it just happened. Yeah, But it is ironic. It is ironic that you probably... <clears throat> Made all of your money from that song, and you didn't even. The get it song right. is called "Ironic." It's all about things that aren't ironic. That's that might be ironic. 
Anyway, that's a new take. We're getting very meta already. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, good evening, good night. We are back at the studio after what's been some time because oh. uh, Mr. A had an unfortunate accident. Is it it an was accident? an accident. Oh, yeah. Was it on purpose? Well, here's here's a few what happened? points. Tell the here's the point about that. Well, uh, first of all, I'm not the only reason. People aren't even going to believe this is me because I probably, through this trauma, have become a new person and I no longer will probably say like I'll be smarter. Everything is going to be different. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm also taking antibiotics. I might not get sick anymore. I don't know. Or I'll get way sicker. It's hard to say. You're a survivor now. I am. This kind of crap happens to me, though. But it was an accident. And and it really, if it were not an accident, then the reason I would do something like this would be so I could get, like, maybe some pain pills, like, Maybe, you know, why not? Mm. Like you're like, oh, I'm, I want pain pills or whatever because I'm an addict. I'm not. But if I were, turns but out, though, this is not good enough to get pain pills. So if you are seeking pain pills uh, through injuring yourself, dear listener, uh, you are going to have to try probably <laughs> fully uh, decapitate yourself or oh my God. <laughs> fully remove a limb. I'm not actually sure how to get the pills because um, I got none. But yeah. so I what was did also you do? what happened. So I'm now famous. Here's the Monica Perez newsletter, and at the very bottom, here's a picture of me, my hand, which oh my the God. listener can't see, but that's my hand. Um, yeah. So the water heater. I have to tell the story pretty fully because other people want to know about it. And I was, they're like, are you going to tell the story? I'm like, I'll tell the story. And then you can just listen to it. And this will be the official oh story. Okay. So this is the official okay. narrative of what yes. happened. Please tell us. So the water heater, blah, 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 blah. We don't got all day. The water heater went out. It's sort of outside. It's in like a little tiny building, just slightly larger than a water heater. The water heater started leaking. I had to rebuild the the water heater. So I'm rebuilding that, or rebuild the water heater building, put a new water heater in. And I was just using a frame, a pneumatic framing, you know, nail gun. Right, a nail gun, a normal nail gun, yeah. It's an old one though, so a lot of the oh. new ones will have a settings, Have a, it's a good brand though, I mean, it's a nice one, but a lot of the new ones do have a setting where you can be safer. Which mm. so the setting that I mine has one setting and it is I've thought about the easiest way to understand it if you don't if you never like really looked at how one of these things works some people will know some people it, if you've never used one you're like how does this work <laughs> so it's a gun and it shoots nails and on the tip where the gun where the nail comes out the easiest way to think about it is like imagine a spring sorta we're gonna call it a spring and the nail shoots so. You know, a spring looks like a slinky, whatever. It's like a circle, a spiral mm-hmm. circle. And the nail shoots through that spring, you know, through the hole in the spring. And okay. it does that every time that that spring is depressed. So there's a trigger on the nail gun. But if you hold that trigger down and I just like pointed it at you and went bang and pulled the trigger, nothing would happen. That spring has to be pushed down. 
Now this one, because it has no setting for anything different, what you do is if you hold that nail, if you hold that uh, trigger down, every time that spring is touched, a nail flies through it. So if you just wanted to go along the wall, you could go hold the trigger down one time, don't lift your finger, and just tap that spring over and over. Tap, 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 tap. Every time you tap that gun, that spring, a nail shoots through it. So you could impale people hundreds of times by just sort of if shaking you just, your gun around. If you put, you have to push it. You have to push it on them. You know, you got to push that thing, that spring, oh, to get push the, the nail to come out. The tip of the gun or whatever. Yeah. So you can't just oh, pull okay, this. You actually can't just pull the trigger. You actually have got to it. Okay, tap that okay. spring. So I'm just nailing. And it's like it's I'm framing, but it's such a tiny frame that I'm it's not, I'm not really making it the same way. I'm literally just putting two or three two by fours. Together. I mean, it's so small, you know, and I have these big three inch nails in it. A full three inches, which is longer than you'd think, especially once it's inside of you. And <laughs> I this gun is big. <laughs> just saying. Was, yes. That was no pun intended. I don't know how that gun. was taken. <laughs> so it's a full three inches. It's bigger when it feels bigger when it's inside of you. <laughs> Trust me. No, it so <laughs> it has a a kick too when it's hooked up to the air. <laughs> and that <laughs> that kickback. Like a like a real gun, you know, you go ba ba, and it kind of shoots your hand back just yes. a little bit. Well, mm. that's what I was doing. I went da ba, and just like a maybe, real gun, it has kickback. It has a little kickback because it's shooting. Because you just you think you got to think about it. You tap that. I mean, it's fast. And a the nail shoots out, and it goes yeah. all three all three inches go into two pieces of wood to put. I mean, it goes all the way in. I mean, it's shooting the thing out fast. And I tapped it, and I would say maybe. Depending on what I'm doing, but maybe like two to five percent of the time, it will shoot two nails so fast because of that kickback that, again, two to five percent of the time, they will. I will look at, I'll go, Ta -da! and I'll look down, and there'll be two nails in the exact same hole. It's like a miraculous how fast it'll do that. Hmm. And so I went. I was holding a two by four. I moved my hand back so I didn't hurt myself because sometimes they come out the side. You don't want to have your hand too close. So I moved my hand back and I tapped it and it, because I was holding so far away with the other hand. And so I had my hands like spread out. It, I didn't have like a lot of pressure on the gun, like didn't have a perfect grip on it. So I went bang, bang, and it did a double shot. But the second shot was not because I bounced it a second time on accident. I mean, it was because of that, but it wasn't like right there. They went, ba -bam. but the second tap, only the edge of the spring was hit because I wasn't over the board anymore. It was on the very corner of the piece of wood. So it just shot free like a gun, just whoosh, no wood in what in its way, just shot probably about two feet or a foot and a half. I don't know. And I felt it hit me. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, fuck. impaled. I was like, what happened? I didn't even feel it. I felt nothing. I literally just felt like somebody lightly flicked my my hand or something, just like boop. And I was like, You're oh, looking no. around for the nail now. 
And I'm looking like is the nail somewhere? Like did I hit what what did that hit? Oh god. And then I look down and I'm like, "Oh shit, it's in my fucking hand." And immediately oh I'm I'm like I'm a little bit in disbelief cuz it doesn't really hurt at all. And I'm like, "It must not be in there too good." You know, it was it just it, I would it would be one thing if I had like nailed my hand and I just saw me go bam, I'd be like, "Oh no." But it was so far away, I wasn't even sure if you could shoot a nail that far and it still go into someone. I mean, thinking about it, it makes sense it would, sure. but I just never shot a nail that far. Like, I didn't know if it would, what it would do. And I looked at it for a second and I'm like, that is in there pretty good. And I was like, I'm going to have to go in and get this out. I'm going to have to run inside and tell Kim that she's probably going to have to like pull it Perform out. Perform emergency little... surgery, yeah. Yeah, because I'm a little in shock. It's in there, you know, a little better than I thought. And I, I literally still feel nothing. I feel no pain at all. Amazing. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, Kim, I'm going to need you to help me. I said, I got this nail in my hand and I think we got to get it out. And she's like, oh my God, oh my God. So she's kind of panicking. She's like, what do I do? What do I do? I'm like, I don't know. So I start, because this is what I do if I have a lot of adrenaline, got like real adrenaline, not like a little adrenaline. I mean a lot of adrenaline. <laughs> I start pacing, but I don't panic. I just, I have to move, which I'm just, I'm like that anyways. I'm always got to kind of move. If I stand somewhere too long, I get, I get antsy. I'm fully antsy. That's I'm, why you're constantly am, hitting the mic. Constantly. That's <laughs> why that water just spilled. So I'm... <laughs> I'm literally just staring at this nail in my hand, trying to fathom how bad really is it? Because you, I just can't feel it. You sure, know, I yeah, can't feel yeah. it at all. I'm like, it can't be. Is it bad? I can't. I don't know. Like, I'm looking at it. There's no blood, zero blood, none. And I'm just staring. And I'm like, I, I go. I think, obviously, I'll just pull this out. Like, obviously, I just, I pull it out. It'll hurt, but I'll just, and then I'll just go back. I'll just keep building that thing, whatever. Yeah. So I. Kim's, I don't know what she's doing. She's like getting dressed or something. I'm just in like nail in the hand mode. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, we're going to pull this out. And so I grab onto it. That's she's right. kind of not. And then I, I feel it and I realize it feels, it feels like a nail is sticking out of wood. Like it is sturdy. Like it's not, it's not wiggling. Oh it's not, I'm like, oh my God, that fucker is in there. Like it is in my hand, like very far. And I'm trying to figure out how it's come tight. it doesn't hurt. Yeah. And my finger's curved like this. It's just stuck in like a C shape, my pointer finger. <laughs> and the nail. Kind of limp pointer. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't limp. It was sturdy. Sturdy. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, curved. but bent. Yeah. And I'm just looking at it and I go, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where this nail is. Like, how is this even happening? It's so, I realize it's far. And I turn my hand over. And it's not coming through my hand, but I can feel it in my palm, sticking into my palm. Oh, or, oh, it's like Oof. not quite stick. You can almost see it, but not quite. But you, if you just tapped on my palm, you could feel the nail. And I was like, oh, God, that shit's in there. Ugh. And it looked like, you saw the pictures. I sent you a couple pictures. It looked like it literally just was in my bone, in my knuckle somehow. Yeah. The, ball, the ball of the ball and socket of the first knuckle off of your palm onto your first finger. I was like, no way. This is Just crazy. Right into the bone, maybe. So, Kim gets dressed. 
I just walk up and down the hall for like 10 minutes trying to figure out what am I actually going to do here? And I keep expecting this is going to start hurting really bad soon. And it does not start hurting. So we're about to, I'm like, just trying to bump it. I'm holding it. I'm going like, okay, it's going to be so expensive to go to the doctor. Let's just call that those, what, I don't know what people call them here. A lot of times they're called doc in the box or urgent care or like a, like a doctor that you could just walk into and they can do some stuff. I call that lady. She is a full fledged idiot. Does not know what I'm even (laughs) saying. I'm like, I'm like, you know, it go, you've got to push all the buttons. If this is an emergency, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, oh my God, just zero, 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 talk, 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 talk. Yeah, yeah. And finally I get the lady and it, I thought it transferred me to a call, like an answering service. I'm like, am I speaking to someone inside the office, the doctor's office right now? And she goes, um, what? And I go, am I speaking to someone that's inside the doctor's office right now? And she goes, um, I'm at a desk. I, I was like, Okay, anyways, she goes, what can I help with? I'm like, I have a nail through my hand. I was just wondering if I could just come there instead of the doctor's office. The I mean, instead of the room. ER yeah. and just see if you guys just pull it out or something. And she was like, uh, I wouldn't do that. I was like, okay, whatever. And I literally, I think I accidentally, I was in a little bit of a rush. So I think before I hung up, I was like, that lady's an idiot. I said it while I was still on the phone and I just hung up on her. <laughs> and uh, we went to the hospital. We get to the ER. It's only a couple minutes away. Still no pain, really. I'm just shocked. I can't believe there's no pain still. It's probably been 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Great. There's a yeah. family in so front of me. So what happens at the emergency it's just, room? It's just me in line. I could see there's there's some people there. Kim's parking. I see some people in the waiting room. I'm like, that's fine. I know you get prioritized based on severity. This is pretty severe. I'll probably get taken right back. I've been to the ER before for something way more painful, but way less visible. They took me right away. I mean, I was just in and out, you know, Mm, mm. straight to surgery. No problem. Maybe it was because it was late at night. I don't know. But there's a few people. There's this people in front of me. They don't speak any English. And uh, everyone's trying to help them. You know, there's on the phone. I don't know. And I'm literally just standing there with this nail in my hand. Like waving it at them, like probably. I'm, I'm like, this? I just, I don't know if you noticed, but I feel like this is a big deal. I don't know. It seems like a big deal, and it's sticking out like two inches or an inch and a half, maybe. So it's obvious, although not that obvious. Because when I got up there, she goes, "How can I?" Oh my god, you know, like didn't even see me uh, apparently until this moment, and we check in. They seem like that's pretty intense. Let's sign you in. Go wait in the room. Someone will be with you momentarily. I sat in that waiting room of Northside Forsyth Hospital. I'm calling you out. Doxa now. Which is a ever-expanding, massive hospital in the northern half of Georgia. They might just as well absorbs, own every hospital. Yeah, they absorb all the hospitals. Unless you're going to Grady, which is famous in Atlanta, or one of those other yeah, yeah, yeah. college ones, then it's Northside. Like, they own everything. And I sat in that waiting room. This is crazy, actually. Because I sat in that waiting room with the nail sticking out of my hand. And probably two hours in, it started hurting pretty freaking bad. Like, it finally, the adrenaline wore off. And I'm like, this is really hurting. And I couldn't move my freaking finger. 
Yeah. And it, so how you know, long you were you there? Hold, longer than two hours sitting in the waiting so room? So many hours. I sat in the waiting room for two and a half hours. Oh, God. Okay. So And there's people, I'm like overhearing, I'm like one lady says she was like having many strokes. She'd been there a couple hours. I had another guy's ear was bleeding. I mean, just crazy. So I like two hours. So the PR lady comes out, public or patient relations it's public relations the pr like, lady comes literally out? they gotta make a this, statement what is this the this white like, house overweight buzzed head really good speaking voice though i want to thank everybody who's here for choosing Northside forsyth hospital you know gives this whole spiel that i can't hear because there's glass barriers everywhere and she's on the other half of the waiting room i can't and i'm deaf so i'm like i don't know what she's saying Basically, I could tell she's going, I'm sorry, this is taking forever. And I'm like, oh, God. And I hear times thrown out. Three hours, couple hours. And I'm like, what, what, what are they saying? What are they saying? So I go up to the front and I'm like, I don't know what that lady just said, but I'm not, I can't stay here for another three hours. Like, do you think it's safe for me to have a nail in my hand for five hours? Like, I just don't think that's okay. <laughs> what do you think? And they actually... So a f- like a b- five minute intermission and intermission had happened where they did come and they x-rayed it. I don't know because that's just a different department. So like an x-ray guy came and was like, we're just going to x-ray this. They literally took me like 10 feet away, x-rayed it, sent me right back They're to the They're probably bored. Oh yeah. They probably like, this would be fun if we go down there and x-ray this guy. Yeah. I was the entertainment. Trust me. Because, so I go up there and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? Like, I just gotta, I gotta get this nail out of my hand. It's been in here for like three hours now. And she's like looking at the check-in nurse. I don't understand this, but the check-in nurse, who's not really a nurse, can't really understand what she's looking at, is looking at my x-rays apparently at the computer. She's like, you want to come back here and look at your hand? And I was like, sure. Do you want to see tell. the x-rays? We can't yeah. take this out, but we have the x-rays. Yeah, we're looking at them because this is crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I'm looking at them and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I'm like, is that in the bone? And she's like, I don't know. She, <laughs> they don't even know. They don't know. But they're not x-ray techs or radiologists. They're just check-in nurses. But they're nurses. You know, they can, like, help you a little bit. And she's looking at all the different x-rays. She's like, I, I don't know. We can't tell. It, it's really weird. There's, like, a note on there from the radiologist that there's some kind of anomaly. And I'm really upset that I never talked to the radiologist because by the time I left, no one had said anything about these, this said anomaly. I'm like... So I just thought I got lost in the mix. I don't know what I'll do about that. But anyway, while I'm standing there and they're they're kind of trying, they're like, I can see that they are noticing this is a little absurd. They're going to try, they're, I'm like, can I come back? She's like, hang on. Uh, she's like looking for other people. She's like, let me go see, let me go see about something. Hang on, hang on. She's like trying to figure something out. While I'm standing there, granted, most of the time, there's like a line out the door. This place is like a third world country. I don't know what is happening. But while I'm staying there, there happens to be nobody in line. Kind of why I chose to go up at that moment. Mexican guy walks in. Totally normal. So lots of Mexicans around here. Just probably a construction guy. Comes in and she goes, can I help you? You know, just thinking he's checking in. He goes, "Uh, yeah, I just hear I cut my finger. She goes, you do what now? And he goes, I cut my finger off. She goes, you cut your finger off? And she goes, he goes, yeah, what finger? And he goes, this finger. And he wiggles his index finger, which is still there. And she goes, huh, you know, like your finger's still there. And she goes, which finger did you cut? You cut your finger off? Which finger did you cut off? And then he holds his other hand out. 
uh, and he's holding his finger. Oh my god! In his hand, and I look over and I'm no. like, "Well, I was like, I I, th- I guess I'm gonna go sit back down. I think this guy gets to go first. Fuck it, you know." Oh my god. I said that. I was like, "I'm just Whoa. gonna I'm gonna walk away now because that's a finger, and I'm sure that's gotta be put back on." Here's the craziest thing, to be honest, about the whole visit. I probably left five hours later after everything was said and done. That fucking guy was still sitting in the waiting room. With his finger? In the the lobby with his finger off. That's, I feel like he's not going to get his finger back on. Like, if you wait so long, you can't get it back on. That I, if he wasn't a Mexican, maybe someone to help him out, but he probably sued their asses off. Because he's, I heard him say, they said, where'd you come from? Or how long has it been off? He goes, exit 12, which, uh, 10 minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, like he cuts his finger off, picks it up, gets in a car. It's probably enough time to get it back on. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're on exit 13. I mean, you couldn't be closer to the hospital, basically. You know, he goes, he's 12 to 13. They're they're mile long exits, basically. So I couldn't, I'm like, but they did, I do think they might've taken his, I saw them get like biopsy bags out or something. So I think they did take his finger and put it on ice, but still, still five hours is a long time because yeah. you've got healing here going on on the, on the stump. Oh, man. So anyway, it's crazy. And when I, and everyone there had told me you're going to be getting, because I hadn't eaten that day and I was so thirsty from the adrenaline. It's like my mouth was so dry. I was getting so hungry and there was, I fa- figured out there was vending machines and I had a water in the car and I'm like can I, I'm going to go get water. Like, is that okay? I'm going to get some water. They were like, no, no, no. They're going to put you in twilight, kind of knock you out a little bit to pull that out. And I was like, oh, well, that sucks. I'm hungry, but that's great because I don't have to be awake when they pull this thing out of my finger. A couple hours later of not eating, I go back there and there's a main nurse. You know, I never see a doctor the whole time I'm there. Nobody official, just this nurse. And he's like, all right, we're going to, let me see that thing. Yep. Okay. We're just going to go ahead and pull that out. And I was like, okay, you're going to like put me on twilight or something, you know? And he goes, what? It's like, you know, like the twilight or whatever you call it. And he's like, no, no, we don't do that for this. And I was like, you don't do what for what? And he's like, we, we just pull it out. And I was like, I'm going to be awake when you pull this nail out of my probably bone. And he was like, yeah, that's just how we do it, dude. And I was like, he was so matter of fact. And I'm like, okay, man, uh, I'm a lot more scared now. And he goes, well, I mean, it's up to you. We can give you some lidocaine or some Novocaine, whichever the fast one is. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, do you have a recommendation or what? You know? And he goes, oh, God. He goes, I could put lidocaine or I could put, pull it out. Like, he just won't tell me anything. And I'm like, well, then put the lidocaine in it. I don't know. Great. Yeah. So then this young girl walks in, young black girl walks in, and he goes, this is, what's her face? I don't know what her name was. She's a student from the school some fucking where. She's going to be helping me today. And I'm like, okay. Anyway. What he means by I love she's how be we're ha- just using this as like an educational experience. Like there's a man with his finger literally cut off sitting in the waiting room. Anyway, welcome to class. So we're teaching this person how yeah. to be a doctor. Um, 
Literally. She's also she, icing his finger, um, but we don't have time. And, We're gonna pull this. And what he first. what he meant was by she's gonna help be helping me out today. What he meant was, you're her first patient ever with something like this, and she's doing it. Great. Okay. So she right. took the nail out. Yeah. So she comes over and she's gonna do me some lidocaine in the finger first. So he wants the lidocaine. Okay. He's so focused on talking to her. He never speaks to me. I'm speaking directly to him. I'm laying on this bed, kind of sitting, laying. They're three inches from my face. I can smell them. You know what I mean? And they're just like, <laughs> they're spitting not, like, like I'm not even there. <laughs> so she gets lidocaine. She sticks it. I feel the fucking thing. She sticks it like three or four times. I'm like, oh, God, I feel her mess up and pull it out again, lidocaine shoots out of the needle all over me, on my hand and my <laughs> arm. I can feel this wet stuff going everywhere. I'm like, oh my God. I thought maybe I was bleeding. And I look and no, she's just, you know, just, <laughs> just squirting it. I'm like, oh my God. No. I, I, I'm sitting there going, oh no, oh no, oh no. He goes, okay, so what you want to do is you got to get it in there at a 45 degree angle. You want to try to make sure, you know, imagine that you're actually pointing it towards the nail. I'm like, oh my God, she doesn't even know how to shoot fucking novocaine in me this is not good and uh this is not right so she does it she finally does it i can tell it's getting numb though maybe it was good that she stuck me 19 times because my hand and arm went numb like it went numb very quickly very quickly i mean (laughs) numb numb ish you know there's a nail in your hand it's not gonna be that numb it's like when they do novocaine before they grind your teeth you still feel most of that and it hurts really bad but you know it helps and then they grab pliers, like pliers like I have these kind of pliers, like just pliers, like just you know? tools. They just look like they got them out of their craftsman toolbox. Right. And so my hand just sitting like this on my lap. And sh- again, no one's talking to me. I don't know if I'm supposed to hold my hand a certain way. Should I? Ho- they're going to yank on this thing. It's I. I don't know what to do with this arm. It's numb. I don't even know if I can, if I have control of this arm because I can't really feel what I'm doing with it anymore, especially where it's not injured, like up my wrist a little bit. I'm like, am I even holding my arm on me anymore? I don't know what's happening. I can't see because they're both like over my lap. So I'm like, should I hold my, I literally, I look at the guy, he's not looking at me. I'm like, should I hold my (laughs) hand like this? Like, should I hold it down so you can tug on it or something? Or like, what? No response. So I, I literally... They're down there looking at my hand. I like sneak my other hand in there and I grab my own hand to like hold it down. She grabs on with the thingy thing with the pliers and yanks, just starts pulling. And I mean, I'm lifting like my arm is lifting because it's stuck in there. Like it's stuck in there and I'm lifting. I'm going, you know, and then she stops and I'm like, oh, and I feel for a second. I'm like, I think that fucking nail's still in there. She didn't get it out. She got scared and stopped pulling. I was like, oh, no. She doesn't know how to get the fucking nail out. Thank <laughs> God. Then I hear him go, okay, again, same thing with the Novocaine. Now, what I try to do is you want to get this on there. You want to get it to lock on there at least once, like one of these little, I think there's like notches or something on the pliers. I'm not even looking anymore because I'm like, I can, I'm going to pass out if I watch these people keep tugging on this fucking thing. Oh, my God. So they're discussing how she's going to do this for the first time ever, how you actually get a nail out. Mm. And all I'm thinking at this point is, oh shit. And also I don't, I don't even know how to explain this, but I felt after the fact that maybe could like describe it a little bit. It was as if I was trying to vibe into the universe, like her confidence for her. 
you know, I was just like, I don't give a fuck at this point. What just get the nail yeah, out of yeah. my hand and do it quickly and do it well. Like I wanted to be like, you got this. You could get the nail out. It's no problem. But fucking pull <laughs> that shit out of my hand. Do not tug on my hand one more time. If you pull again, it has to come out. That's all I'm thinking. If we pull again, I'm thinking like I'm going to pull my hand out of the nail if you don't pull my na- the nail out. You know what I mean? Like I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So I grab my fingers again like this to hold my hand, my other hand held my nail hand to my lap so she didn't pull my arm up again like that because it's got to come out straight, I imagine. I don't know. And then they pull again and it's like, I mean, it felt like an eternity, but it was probably like 10 seconds of just pulling. And there's a whole crowd in here now. I'm the entertaining patient of the night which is what I was told multiple times by different people. Like this one kid came in, he was like, Hey man, at least you gave us some entertainment. Like this is, this is great. He's like, you really handled that. Well, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you didn't like scream. And I was like, dude, (laughs) I don't know what I was saying, but he, she pulled that thing out and it was like, and I felt it. I mean, I just felt that thing rip out and immediately my hand moved again. Like I could move my finger. Oh, wow. I mean, which is crazy because it hurt so bad. And then after the nail was out, that is when the pain kicked in. Like once they, I guess because it's like slowly ripping the nail back out, just all that uh, trauma to the hand going out. It was like, I told them before, they said, what's your pain level now? And I was like, well, if I told you eight before you pulled it out, and now it's like a 25, like it's so much worse. And they gave me like one pill and then an antibiotic. A kid comes in with a syringe without a needle on it, sticks it in the hole a couple times and just plunges it full of water, I guess. I don't know. And I was like, and they were like, you're done. Great. See ya. (laughs) I was like, okay. And uh, that, and then I, I, I mean, I'm kind of writhing in pain still, and because, and then eventually the Novocaine kicked in even more after the nail was out. Like it took maybe like five minutes, and finally, like it numbed back up again. And I looked over, and it's just me and that black girl's like, I don't know what she's doing. She's kind of like rifling around, you know, doing her whatever they're teaching her how to do. But no one's in there, just me and her. And I look over, and I was like, Did you pull the nail out? And she was like. Yeah, because I knew she did the first tug. I wasn't sure if she pulled the nail out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, did you pull that nail out? And she goes, I sure did. And I was like, was that your first time doing something like this? And she goes, it sure was. And I was like, <laughs> great Good job, I guess. Like, I said, well, you did it. I, I, th- I don't even know what I said. I think I said, you did it. Like, you, you got it. <laughs> oh it worked. Because like, in a way, I was like. have a first time, you know. Because you think, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, it could, like, it's not. Is a simple task, you know? It's crazy to think about. It's like psychotic. Like I thought, yeah. I'm looking it's at this nail in my hand. It's not guy's like, finger back on. No, but it is still crazy because it's like there's a nail in your hand and you think like this kind of shit happens. Like people get shit impaled into them and then what do you do? Well, you, you got to get it out. And if it's not, if it's kind of sort of routine and you're not like going under where you don't have to worry, then for the patient, it's like extreme. Like it's kind it's like, I could not believe it. I could not believe. Yeah, yeah. They were like, "Here's the pliers, and we're just gonna. You're gonna be right there in five seconds. I'm gonna walk over there and pull that out of your hand." And I'm like, "Oh God, I cannot believe this is real right now. Yeah. This cannot be happening to me." And uh, <sighs> I just, I don't know. 
I had like a moment of acceptance. She did it and it was fine. They took a few more x-rays. They still don't really know what was going on. They think I got unbelievably lucky. I don't think I was lucky. See, I think they think that I was like, boom, you know, like I, I'm showing you, but like I hit my, I nailed my hand, but I shot it at such a distance that I, what I think happened based on how it feels now is I shot it and it hit that knuckle, but it was just far enough away not to go into the bone and the bone directed it right in the joint. So it went between the ball and socket, which is why I couldn't bend my finger and that it didn't impale through my hand. And the reason it wasn't poking through my hand like sharply, just like kind of dully, was because it was probably pressing that tendon, which was making my finger curl, which is why oh, I couldn't move okay. my finger. Ugh. And they pulled it out. And now, I mean, I can do this. Like I can kind of move it a little bit, but it is nuts. Oh, yeah. It was wow. the craziest thing. And wow. it, so it told me, it showed me this. So you think about how hard of lives people used to have. Mm-hmm. I I used to always think about you watch like a um a movie where I mean war sure but especially old war with like swords and I used to say like can you imagine where battle like everyone had to battle because you're being Bingo. attacked yeah. and the way now you did it was you took like sharks that. yeah you took sharp steel and stuck it you had to get right up on someone and push it in them you got to poke them with that sharp steel and you think unbelievable who would how could you ever do that no one would ever do that that's insane no one would do that no one would let themselves but maybe in a rougher tougher society you kind of know you're more familiar with injury and you know that the thing happening to you actually isn't the worst part the worst part is that you probably die from infection you'll probably oh hurt later but when it happens you it's you're so pumped there's so much adrenaline you don't even feel it. So you could oh, probably get God. stabbed a couple times and just keep fighting. <laughs> oh you know what I mean? Because yeah. unless they're leaving it in you, you know, that you get an arrow, ah, it goes through your arm. You're like, fuck, oh, well. Ah. You, know, you just got to keep, because it's either keep going or die. And you really, I cannot describe how little I felt it. Even when it went into my finger, it it shot. It's not like it worked its way in there. It was the snap of a finger yeah, all the way through yeah. my hand, in my joint, between my joint. Ooh. And I felt nothing for two and a half hours, nothing, no pain. Didn't even feel it go in. Felt like something brushed me. It's crazy. Yeah. I could not believe it. But now I'm, now I'm just pissed. Also, I rejected the tetanus vaccine. So there's still a mild, very slight possibility that I will die, but I probably won't. So I'm right. kind of testing my anti-vax theory here. We'll Great. see what happens. Perfect. <laughs> Love that. Hope you don't get Which tetanus. Which brings me... Yeah, brings me to one other point, which I mentioned to you already about something else. Remember, I sent you that. I sent you that Google 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 result, where Google gives you some top results without you having to click on the web page and just says, "Here's the results." Yes, and it was it like you yes and no, completely contradictory information. It's like AI. This yeah, they're like we're reducing toxicity by giving you contradictory answers. And both from highly credible sources. One, literally, I, I don't know what I sent you, but it was, I think, oh, I typed in. It was about inflammation. Ice, yeah. I said, does ice actually reduce swelling? Because I had I had sat up weird and my hand swelled up bad just because I like sat on it because of the nail, I guess. Mm-hmm. something just made it something happen. And I was like, oh, damn, it really got big all of a sudden. So I'm like, maybe I'll do some ice. So I look it up. Does the swelling 
go down with ice for real, for realsies. Like that's what I'm asking Google. Google says, John Hopkins says, yes, it reduces swelling. And then some other highly reputable source says, no, it causes worse swelling. Yeah. So who's yeah. right? Is John Hopkins right or the world of swelling society or whatever the fuck it was? You know, some other really well-known thing. I'm like, what is reality? Yeah. Like what's true and what's no, false? It's so true. So it's a problem. That's why I rejected the vaccine because I had five, three and a half hours in the waiting room and I read everything I could find. And it's just the answer about tetanus is it's so I, I, I don't think you can believe anything because it was really important all of a sudden to me because tetanus is something called it gives you what's called lockjaw because what it does is it's this bacteria that you can't treat for some reason with antibiotics and what it does is it causes muscle spasms to your whole body so badly that you can't even open your jaw and you mm -hmm. people like break their teeth and they bone their bones break sometimes like it gets really really intense oh, God. and because your muscles just tense so intensely. Rigor mortis or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, like you die. A, a, but to like an extreme. So you have to be hospitalized for it. And I'm like, this is really important to know. Because I'm, do I do I get the autism or do I get the lockjaw? Like, what's the chances <laughs> of both, you know? Get pumped up with this stuff. And I don't like that stuff. So I keep reading and reading. And it's just the statistics on it are crazy and i think some of it is and i'm talking like i'm only reading scientific stuff mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's totally preposterous like the same scientific journal will have multiple articles that have contradictory research evidence res Finding, research yeah. results how is that even possible to yeah. have no this is a big problem findings what does that even mean? I'm so confused. Like yeah. it made me so confused about what yes, we this even is the know. Big problem. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people talk about scientific consensus and we talked about it in COVID so much. And I'm like, that's not even a thing. Like you can find research papers that literally say anything and you'll find like research the, papers yes. that say exactly the opposite thing as another research paper. And that's a problem because what do you do with that? And that's what the AI is doing now too. I've noticed is in order, I think, to make it more safe or non-biased, they just present all of the options. Like, they'll be, you know, you ask a question, they'll say, well, it could be X, but also could be the opposite of X. And then you're like, well, this literally isn't helping me. Like, it's literally a non-answer. And then the scientific community's answer to us, for example, during COVID was trust the science. It's like, and I'm literally, which science are you taught? Because in the case where you... Maybe we all didn't do a lot of deep diving research in real real types of research. It was a novel virus, right? We don't know. But go back to something that's been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years, tetanus. And we still, you, if you said the same thing, well, we're just going to trust the science on this. I'm, again, going to ask, which yeah. one? How do you, why did you choose to trust the one that, and what is the answer in those ambiguous cases, I think, seems to be the one that's more the easier answer to find was the thing that helps with the profit motive get the vax the oh, only solution okay. is the vaccine the only solution is the vaccine and then i start looking up so tetanus such an old thing it i'm pretty sure from what i remember and reading it's a it's like one of those classic 
vaccines. There's other options, but the main one I'm pretty sure is like an attenuated thing where you're you're going to get the stuff in you and then it's going to create antibodies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think, okay, well, I cut myself all the time. I'm always in this environment cutting. I've just had stitches for cutting my finger almost off. I had the thing on my toe, I, all this stuff. I'm, so I'm like, I start convincing myself, surely I've been exposed to tetanus a hundred times this year, you know, just constantly being exposed to it. I probably have natural immunity. I look up, is natural immunity? Te- no, it's okay. Where's the explanation? It's such an obvious question. If you can vaccinate somebody with the stuff, the tetanus, to give you immunity, why is natural immunity not real? Then eventually I actually start discovering there are papers discussing natural immunity and tetanus and that it's probably actually a thing and that tetanus is so exceedingly rare. And this is my problem with doctors. They don't know anything. First of all, I didn't talk to any doctors. I only talked to a nurse, but he seems smart. But they actually don't – this is – there's a, a realm of philosophy called epistemology, and it is all about how – it is the philosophy of knowledge, the philosophy of how we really do know things. What does it mean to actually know something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And th- he probably knows everything, right? I mean, I don't know. He knows a lot of stuff, but he doesn't really know, no. He doesn't actually know. And so that's where those Gettier problems become interesting. Those Gettier problems were like, you see a, a sheep on a hill, it's far away, you get closer, you realize it's a dog, it's not really a sheep, but you had proclaimed that there's a sheep on the hill and you knew there was a sheep on the hill, but you were wrong based on the evidence that you have, but you pass by the hill, you look back again, you realize on the other side of the hill, there was a sheep, not the thing you saw, you saw a dog, but you said there was a sheep on the hill, so were you wrong? And it's like, that's the kind of, that actually doesn't matter when it's a sheep on a hill. But when it's a vaccine, in the science of a vaccine, in the likelihood, it becomes exceedingly (laughs) important. It's a vaccine on the hill. So you start to wonder, you realize, this is what I'm saying, the doctor might be right. He might know, quote unquote, I don't know if we can call it that, that the vaccine is beneficial. It is helpful. But he doesn't know why, because science doesn't know if... You can't even decide if it's natural immunity is a thing, if you can get immunized for it. I mean, it's like, so what, what is, what, what are we doing? What, what's happening? It's so, it's messed up. It's, it made me really, it really shook me looking into that. It's very strange. Well, I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you can get all the information in the world out there and, yeah, who knows? Obviously, of course, there's incentive to have information for the profit motive. Obviously, the pharmaceutical industry has vested interests in providing research that looks into the things that they're interested in making money off of. Um, and all the places you're yeah. supposed to trust don't indicate that there's that there's any question. So CDC, World Health Organization, all those websites, they are emphatic. There is no cure for it. There is only one solution. It's we've there's this is how effective it has been over the years. All of this precipitous decline is because of vaccines, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not the full. It's just not the full story. You could probably bet that the people on the review boards of those journals are embedded in the medical industry, too. I mean, only certain things even get into the journals. But even then you have a contradictory slew of articles and whatnot. Anyway, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Google, though. Google presenting you 
a contradictory results in AI. I immediately thought when I like, that, I will say I like it a little bit. I, f- I know what you're saying. Like I got, when I saw that, those, I, cause this, it's not just that result that I showed you. I only sent you that because that had happened to me like 20 times because I spent so much time in that waiting room. I was Googling all sorts of stuff and it was constantly, I would get these contradictory results on, on all sorts of different things. And it, but it was the Google was going, oh, here's this and here's this. And I was like, wow, I don't remember it being like this. I remember it being fairly, fairly one directional. Like, yeah. Here's, here's the answer to the question from the main source. And so it gave me like a, a it felt AI. It, and I wasn't sure. I'm like, is this to turn people towards, to get people to like AI a little more because the AI will, oh, well, Google kind of makes me like a little confused now. Uh, it gives me kind of both. I wonder if ChatGPT could explain what's going on with this. You know, so you start, what, you start <laughs> moving towards something that's yeah, a little more, that gives you that certainty. But it felt like, AI was responsible for giving me both of those re- results. And it probably was to some extent. Well, I think, yeah, my immediate thought was this is going to give people cognitive dissonance because you're literally causing it. You're giving people two contradictory facts that they're supposed to hold in their minds at the same time. And the psychological effects of that. But also maybe it makes people more critical on the positive end. You know, if you give people contradictory evidence or answers, then they have to decide for themselves, think critically about which one to believe. Uh, Maybe it does that. I don't know. It's interesting because, you know, the maybe that's a good thing, giving you different variants of the answer or whatever different opinions or takes. But at the same time, I also think it becomes useless if you just it's literally like you don't have to know anything to say both. Like if anyone asked you a question, you could be like, well, it's X or not X. It doesn't require right. any knowledge to say that. And so then the tool just becomes useless. It's like, why would I even bother searching Google? But at least it will get... So I started thinking about it later. I, it was annoying because it didn't give me what I wanted right away. But I realized that's the whole point. Of course it can't do that. You don't want it to give you the one answer. And at least... because So if it would have said, CDC says no, I would have looked and I did on certain occasions, look for mm-hmm. alternative answers. Like I wanted, I want to hear what do the people that say the opposite say? Because I know mm-hmm. they're out mm-hmm. there. They're always someone saying the opposite. There's some doctor, some scientist, some researcher, somewhere. This happened recently with parasites. Everyone starts freaking about parasites. It's like it's all trending thing now. And I found this paper. Nobody wants a parasite, these worms and shit inside you. I found a paper by these really prestigious researchers. They say, you need, you want those parasites. They have, a, there's a homeostatic relationship that you can actually develop that you develop with the parasites so you want to you want to see both of those answers though you know what i mean and it's if they if they make it hard to find the opposite that's even more annoying so do show me yeah yeah so do show me both so so that i can actually go down both rabbit holes let me go down the only solution is vaccine Mm -hmm. here's why we think that and by the way this is just a matter of fact. Answer the opposite answer. The there was it not very much inflammation or something. Well, there was not very much information saying don't get the vaccine, but I'm but there was information that said there could be some immunity, and I eventually did come to a conclusion that I felt pretty safe with. It took me a long time, but basically that the cases are exceedingly rare. 
if you get a case, it's like 30 and 300 million, like 30 out of the country get it. And that the only people who get it are, is a very strange sentence coming up, people who were vaccinated, who were not vaccinated ever or did not stay up to date. That or holds a lot of weight. And I don't know what that or is, but, and I couldn't really figure out where that or came from because is it like everyone who dies from it's never been vaccinated or that one guy who was but wasn't up to date and he also died and that was kind of an, 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 a little bit, uh, an anomaly. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, but I've, I feel safe. I feel like I've had quite a few vaccines for tetanus as a child and whatnot. So we'll see if I die Great. in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> oh my God. Anyways, we'll I hope that wasn't too why. much of a story. Hopefully, it was entertaining. We should post a picture of it on our Instagram or our uh, X uh, gram. On our X. 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 On X our X. We call it on X. On the letter. Yeah. There's going to be AI on X now, too, I heard. Called hmm. Grok or something. Yeah, you got to pay for that. that. Yeah. Well, soon we're not going to be on X anymore because we're not going to pay. So. We're not paying for anything. Someone commented on our ex uh, about a take I had, and they said, worst take yet. Um, just want to let you know ever, yeah. that that hurt my feelings. So well, I don't appreciate your non They probably comment. did. Well, based on what I saw <laughs> on that, it was. I think that person was a little perturbed that you, you were kind of asking a trick question. Because I feel like you asked a question. Was it your survey? And then you said no, that I was commenting oh. on someone else's poll. Survey oh, okay. Thing. See, I thought you posted the survey, and then and then someone responded to it, oh, and God. then you went, "No, the real problem is this question." And I'm like, and I was kind of thinking, but you asked the question, so oh, that's annoying. God. No, so I didn't even realize. I so now that guy seems like even more of a dick. Yeah, <laughs> no. For context, it was just this poll that said, "What's the worst form of or most prevalent form of bigotry in America today?" And it was like anti-white, anti-black. Islamophobia or something else. And I just tweeted back. I said, this is the problem. This We can split hairs about uh, the differences between these things, but we're missing the forest for the trees, literally. Is there really a difference between these different forms of bigotry and the person got me to back? Worst take, yeah, and I don't. It's like, okay, yes, please explain to me the very nuanced fundamental differences between anti-black and anti-white. Thank you. Please write in with your thoughts. We'll play them on the show um, if you're listening. I sincerely mean that. We would like to know what you actually think. Hey, if someone wants to talk about it, we'll talk about it. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. Okay, so moving on. That was a riveting story about uh, something I'm not going to talk about at all now. Uh, yeah. But I found this thing. So I was at work, and this message came through in this channel because I'm in the alphabet channel, the LGBTQIA2S plus one through three, four, um, and acceptance channel. And they said they're holding a leadership at workshop. At work, right? Yes, yeah. They're holding a leadership workshop. This 90-minute interactive session will focus on preparing the LGBTQ plus 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 community for future leadership roles. And then they said, this workshop is exclusive, exclusive, Exclusive. This is supposed to be the inclusive, diverse community. This workshop is exclusive for the LGBTQ plus community, which plus makes it sound like it's inclusive, like it could be anyone, but it's also exclusive. So 
it's an interesting. It's it's, it's exclusive an inclusive, for the inclusive plus right. community. It's an exclusive inclusive, in, or is it inc- an in- inclusive exclusive? <laughs> oh, yes, forum. It's, it's one of those. It's one of yes, those. Yes, it's the exclusive inclusive inclusive exclusive. Um, and it says including, so it's exclusive for the LGBTQ plus community, including everyone with queer imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is queer imposter syndrome? So I looked it up. This is what Google will tell you. Um, Maybe it gives you two contradictory results. Uh, (laughs) It says, it is a feeling of self-doubt or being a fraud or like you're undeserving of something. That's imposter syndrome. And then it says, uh, what what the hell am I talking about? Uh, So it says, what, what is this? What what am I talking about? What is this term? I forgot it already. I'm literally talking about it. I can't even remember the term. Queer imposter syndrome. Wow. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was like, what is this called? Like, it doesn't even say the word. <laughs> um, it says, queer imposter syndrome is afraid of being found out as either a part of the LGBT community or an imposter. So these people, I guess they don't feel uh, like they are accepted as queer or something. So I read this article because I was like, that's not really explaining it for me. So this is an article by Vice. Really good stuff here. Queer imposter syndrome is real, period. Here's how people deal with it. Wait, and we haven't even decided what it is exactly. Yeah. So okay. it's, yeah, it's real. This it, this is how they're dealing with it, okay? Okay. And I read this article and I thought this would be a really good comedy bit. Uh, but it's not a comedy skit or bit. And it's... <laughs> A real piece. It's a real piece. I don't know what to call this. This is not like reporting. So anyway, it says uh, last year during Pride Week, I opened up on Instagram about how being queer has enriched my life. Being queer has enriched my life. Um, Interesting. Shortly thereafter, I received multiple messages from people asking how I could say that when I have a straight boyfriend. So this person has a straight boyfriend (sighs) and they said being queer has enriched my life. So then she says, immediately I felt doubt creeping up. Am I not queer enough? (laughs) Like, is this not reading like the onion? This is giving the onion to me. This is, um, this, this is giving, uh, 1990s SNL. Yes. It's just really, so, so I asked my straight boyfriend, you know, am I not queer enough? (laughs) This just and he was like, and he was like, I don't know. I'm straight. (laughs) (laughs) If I were to tell you, I would start developing queer imposter syndrome. Right. So then they go on to talk about. I mean, this is such the obvious, the most obvious thing about all of this. The most obvious. It's become they have made it totally obvious. Whether (laughs) it was in question at some point or not, I don't know. But at this point. This is a self-obsessed. It's like a kind of um, it's a type of narcissism. Yes, like a it's clinical narcissism, like a, narcissism. a clinical type of narcissism. Yes, it is. It really is. These people are obsessed with themselves and obsessed with identity, and then they go on. So they talk about like bisexuality, which to me, I do not care. Like as someone, if you want to say a part of the community. I don't care, okay? I don't care. And 
I just would like to say that if you're not doing whatever that is, like if you don't have a same sex partner, what, like what, what is that? Like, does anyone actually care? I don't care if you say you're attracted to men and women, even though you have a husband. Like, what, what am I supposed to, I don't care about your sexual preferences, okay? Stop with that. Go sit down. I don't need to know about that. Please stop telling me about all the sex you're having. This is a weird sex cult, and you're obsessed, and you want me to know, and you're an exhibitionist, and you need to go over there and sit in the corner, and I don't want to hear about it, okay? It's, it's, it's like the people who are, this is just from my things that I've, I'm sure there's other versions of this. Oh, no, here's a good example that people might actually understand. It's like the libertarians debating with themselves. That's like a meme. Like they can't, they'll never be taken seriously. They don't even, they, all they do is fight each other. Right. You're not that's, libertarian that's enough. The You're queer the, this, community. that. The, yeah. But it's, but it's also, it's also like the kind of people that are so obsessed with the libertarian thing that they start groups, you know, and they have meetings and they, but you're talking about, and so if somebody else finds out you're part of that, they could, you could tell them the group you're, I, oh, I'm part of the, okay, I'm just going to use, like, I'm a Liberty, uh, blah, 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 group that something, blah, you know, and the, whoever you just told that to, right immediately after you told them what the group you're part of they couldn't even repeat the name of it they don't care they care so little no one cares it's like me with what? queer imposter syndrome literally forgetting the moment after i read it what it's called yeah, exactly you're <laughs> like who okay good for you like why how is everybody involved in this conversation about this thing that doesn't involve anybody it doesn't make the people any that sense. are part of your thing i don't why are yeah. we how yeah. is this even real no, so back to the work thing, that's what I was so triggered by because they're saying you can come to this workshop if you're in the queer or LGBT blah, blah, blah community, but also if you have queer imposter syndrome, which now I found out essentially means if you're straight but think you're queer, you can also come. And I'm like, what is this? Like, So essentially it's an invitation to say – Hey, if you have sexual attraction to people of the same sex, like kind of fantastically, like as a fantasy, but you don't actually do anything about it, you just have a straight partner and you've maybe only ever had straight sex. Well, tell us about that. Tell us about those sexual fantasies you're having. And then you can come to our workshop. It's a little crazy. It's crazy. It's totally inappropriate for work. You should not be talking about your sexual fantasies. In a way, it's, it's trying to... Look, I'm never going to be able to really explain my views on sexuality because they don't work within the paradigm of people's main major departments or whatever of understanding <laughs> with departments. this. I don't believe in any of it. I don't believe in, I no. people people hate when I say this, but like I don't believe in straight, gay, I don't buy whatever I I just stupid, I yeah. I th- I think of it totally differently, and it's it to me this seems kind of like this thing you're talking about this whole the, the whole dynamic not just queer imposter like the queer imposter syndrome we're gonna have a workshop about it we're gonna talk about it like do all this that to me seems like either a a recruitment campaign or b a radicalization campaign. Because it's like it's I can imagine, and I'm allowed to say this, by the way, I can imagine just deciding or 
I get it. It's not a choice. Blah, 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 blah. I can imagine being that person that goes, I'm gay or, okay, let's do it. Let's do a real life. You are just a dude and you go meet a dude and you develop that relationship. But it happened randomly, you know, because it's not a choice, right? It's just natural. It's all fine. Fine. I'm almost okay. Almost. I'm like almost fine. That's sure. (laughs) I'm actually arguing that point. But what else is there? That person may not even be asking themselves what else is there. They may recognize that I probably don't want to go tell everybody at church or I don't want to blah, blah, blah. Just like, which is, I, it feels secrety, I guess, whatever. That's your own conscience and decisions that you have to make. But this, at the same time, straight people don't go just discussing it with each other at, at church or at dinner or what. It's just because it's just a given or whatever, you know. The shock factor comes from the lack of the, the whatever you can call it, a normalcy bias or just that it's less common. So somebody says, my boyfriend, but they're a boy. And then for a, you have that moment of, what I, huh? Like, what'd you say? But I mean, you could have that same feeling when you're hanging out with your friend who you've known forever and they go, right, right. oh, I have to go do this Muslim thing. And you go, what? I didn't know you're Muslim. Like, what sure. are you talking about? Or you I could no have idea. like a interracial couple or you could have a couple that's a large age gap. I mean, there's all ways in which you could be surprised that you'd be like, oh, you know, and that to me does not seem any different from being surprised about someone's sexuality when they're gay, for example. But what, so my person who I'm thinking of, let's say they've only ever been in straight relationships until this one, and now they're not. Is so it a choice? What, yeah. Well, who exactly. cares? I'm thinking when exactly does the imposter syndrome arise? The imposter syndrome only arises with the development of a communi- an exclusive community. Otherwise, you can't have an imposter syndrome because there's no group. It's just a thing you're doing. Oh, so what yes. Do you, mm. So how can you even have an imposter syndrome? This it's is like such if a you become yeah. a, a doctor and then you have to, you're that girl. You got to pull this thing out. She might have been having some imposter syndrome. Why? Because she's a doctor, but she, I don't really know. Like, do doctors know? Should I already know how to do this? Have, should I have already done this before? You know, that's what, but why? Because there's a group, because you're in an environment with a group of doctors and they might be able to identify that you're less experienced or that this or that that but that's an established group of people now all of a sudden recently we've well it's been around for a long time but it's it's getting weirder and growing and whatever now there's this group that and i think what this is actually could possibly be for is for people just that guy that i'm talking about just regular people who might does that guy even want to call himself gay? He's like, well, I mean, I was in a straight relationship before. I'm just, this is just whatever. But now you start recognizing that there's a community out there. And if you develop an imposter syndrome, well, the only reason that that's a problem for these people that are making the group is that you'll exclude yourself and shrink the size of their potential group size, basically. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? So that's why I'm thinking this is either a group or a, a, a recruitment, recruitment thing, thing yeah. or a radicalization thing, because 
No, a hundred percent. Yeah, because and by community... mentioning that mentioning that you could have imposter syndrome might give you imposter syndrome. Well, yeah, no, oh, the gay community. Because that's totally what that person said. This. That's what. That's literally the article. That it. Wait a minute. I just heard this new word about gay imposter syndrome. I think am I have I it. Queer enough? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm not queer enough. It's like that's yeah. the. Do you not see it's it's doing it to you right now before your eyes? Yeah, of course. Because you're yeah. desperate to be part of this, to have this be the f- fullest extent of your identity or something. I don't know what it is. Yeah, and this is a well-known thing in the gay community. I mean, there's a whole inner circle or whatever where people want to be a part of the inner crowd or whatever. And you could find this in any community. There's like an inner circle and the people who are really you know, the archetypal whatever of that community, and you're trying to be in it, you know? If you're a musician, maybe that archetypal community is playing at a top-tier orchestra somewhere or being at a top-tier university, being a band director for that music program, and you're in it, you know? And then if you're not that, you're not really in it. And for the gay community, it often feels like, well, you have to be doing, you literally have to be doing, like, the rainbow flag, like, paint your nails, wear the cross-dressing, talk with a lisp and walk weird and do all the things and that's how you're do in you, it and then you go to the circuit you, parties and blah 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 and do drugs and but do you personally as someone who i'm prescribing this to you but identifies as gay or whatever <laughs> thank you does do you like even do you have is there anything there like do you have any do you care about the community like does that even matter to you I feel because no I hate I'm, it I'm actually thinking, I wish it would stop because I feel like I wish if I could destroy it sh- I would I feel if I put myself in those shoes I okay I've had a colored past all the colors it, throughout my especially young adult time I never had but maybe for a fleeting moment any inclination for any of the group th- no, identity yeah. i just would want to avoid be honestly i'm like i already have my friends like i have i don't right. want to change my friend group or i mean why would i do that i don't i probably wouldn't even want to tell them just out of like politeness so that i don't want to make anyone like you don't have to think about it it's not for you don't worry about it it's like just a thing i do whatever whatever yeah. no like, don't it's even so think stupid about it. these people are so lonely and they want community so badly and they really don't have any other friends that's the characteristic part about all the people in the inner circle is that they really don't have any other friends and actually what it is is it's do the they least not it di- seems like that's all they do is friends they just no. friends everything all parties clubbing this that gatherings sitting together in a in a you know, a flat in yeah. downtown talking and smoking joints and being gay. I mean, is that it's all it seems a facade. Like that's... No, it's mm. not real at all. They don't have any friends. And uh, it's sad because it's the most exclusive community and it's literally the least diverse thing you've ever seen, which is the irony of it all to me. It's like we are talking about the name of diversity, but it actually is a very exclusive community. As they said, it's very exclusive. And you have to, even to be a part of the community, like even people who are gay feel like they're not even a part of it how could that be how exclusive is your freaking club that people it'd be like we have a club for all whites but some whites feel like they have white imposter syndrome because they're not white enough it's like what kind of weird kkk shit is this it makes me think of that whole uh who was it um it might be a a murray guy maybe it was the bell curve guy or something but basically this idea that (laughs) this idea 
that you can identify groups, not that self-identify, that's not the prerequisite for a group existing that you want to study, just like you could have black skin or white skin or be Asian or whatever, and that there's more diversity within those groups than there is between different groups. Like that's a finding that often pops up. Yes, yes, that, 100%. So then you, so if you actually, outside of this group that they're trying to make, if you just scientifically, unbiasedly, with no bias selection, just took all the whatever word captures all of it, the gay, queer, whatever, all yeah, those yeah. people, the likelihood that you could find camaraderie just on that fact alone is seems to me to be preposterous. Yeah, because, no, 100%. And so, so that's why I think that it's a radicalization thing because why would you assume that because you all like basically, basically the whole premise is we're weird sexually – that just because of that, you would what what binds you? How does that bind people yeah, together? That's it does, like, are you all no. going to start doing the same There's things, having the same around? Yeah, but that's what they're. I think that's what they're doing. They're creating something to cohere around. We all are going to. We'll all because then what happened in like the black movements over time is a, like people like Thomas Sowell, who are black, black as they come. But different, maybe – well, I think Thomas Sowell was different because he was just a Republican or Herman Cain because he was a Republican. That makes him an Uncle Tom is what they called the – like black people. I never heard a white person call him that. I've only yeah. heard black people refer to other black people as that because they don't believe all the stuff that the other blacks in the group, in the black – the official black something blah, blah, blah group. We have all decided that because we're black, we're going to gather and then we're going to coalesce around this ideology. And then and we're really inclusive because right now we're recruiting. But eventually, if you don't, if you are gay or queer or whatever you are, but you don't want to be part of this, actually, ultimately, you'll be excluded because you because what else could it be? It's yeah. why no, are they, you are. they're grouping together for a reason. Yeah. And yeah, back to the point about these people having no friends, these people are really lonely and they don't have real relationships, one, or relationships of substance. So the inner circle, other interesting fact about it is it's always changing. Like it's a, what would you call it? A, I don't know, merry-go-round or something where people keep getting on and off the ride. And so uh, the people who are actually at the clubs or whatever doing the thing they're not they don't stay there forever. I mean, some of them do, but they age out because they become older people. And so and you have yeah, to like they're less sexy. Right. Yeah, exactly. You have to celebrate youth and sexiness. And so you have to have new young people come in. And so there's always this sort of changing of the crowd at the middle. And because of that, these people's relationships are super unstable and they're always with a new crew. I mean, we know people like this where they literally their friends change every six months or a year or whatever. But they're like constantly a group or whatever. Yeah, they're constantly which doing is weird, things. by the way, because I have gotten I'm like normal people, by the way, have the opposite experience, the fully, fully opposite. Like they develop their friends at some point. Those are their good friends. And it's not the changing. It may change over a lifetime, but not over and over and over again. My people, my people are all the same from right, like right. high school, like. They're my best friends, period. 
I there's I don't know how it could ever become different. Or right, it might change right. when you move to a new state, get a new job. You might develop a little, you know, yeah, you don't get to see, you kind of develop some new close friends, but that's, that's totally circumstantial, not right. because I'm f- having a mental crisis constantly all the time of identity and hurting people and them hurting me and all and just instability and not sleeping enough and doing too many drugs or whatever goes along with that particular lifestyle that's causing those people to have that kind of behavioral pattern. Yeah, no, no. And back to the article. So just to point out more of the nonsense of all this, the cognitive dissonance these people are dealing with is crazy. So this is the interviewer talking to one of the people at this pride parade named Molly. Funny name. Um, of course they are. Yeah. Of course their name is a drug. Is the party the gay party drug? <laughs> have you ever struggled? Struggle? Have you ever struggled with clear imposter syndrome? <laughs> exactly Every day. And Molly goes, and I could just read it in her voice because this is how I imagine she sounds. Oh my god, totally. Especially because I dated guys my whole life. I didn't start dating women until last year, even though I've been wanting to my whole life. I wasn't fully out of the closet during my early days of dating. I felt like a fake queer because I hadn't had any sexual experiences with women yet. Now that I've had sex, it feels real, as if I can legitimately use the word. So I love how these people are like, queer (sighs) imposter syndrome. You can be queer even if you don't have sex. But then this girl is like, I wasn't queer until I had sex. And you're like, wait. So she's kind of reifying the idea that that is what it is. But then they feel like, no, 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 no. It's actually psychological. You don't actually have, have had any sex with someone. You literally, just it's literally it. just a thing in your mind. That's why men, I mean, that's why women can have huge penises and a beard. <laughs> that's because it does, you don't actually have to do the thing. So you don't have to have the sex. You just have to say it. Like, I'm queer. Like, I just became queer just now. Like, I'm queer now. Like, that's right. how it works. Right. I'm a man exactly. or I'm a woman. There, I just did it. That's it. You should. Ha- the only solution is don't worry. Don't worry. Right. Which this is a huge people talk about infighting in the community. Some people get really up in arms about this. People who Which are part of like it? from the 80s, those that strain of people who are like when and there's good research about this. When we started, people started to endorse a biological or genetic uh, rationale for homosexuality, that it started to become more accepted. And that if you present people with those arguments, people are more reticent to accept it if they know that it's not someone's choice. And that was a big part of the movement in the 80s for Wait, liberation. So they're more people are more likely to accept it if they think it's merely a choice. No, if it's biological, if it's not a choice. If it is biological, if there's a biological explanation, then I'll then people will accept it more. Yes, and well, so in the '80s, when genetics, we were finding out more about genetics, and people started to hypothesize that. Oh, this is when they were looking for the gay gene. Yes, exactly. They didn't ever find right. it, but they did find links. Right. Yes, and so they said, you know, there's predispositions that you can find. There's correlations you can see in people's genes. Whatever. Um, and so that helped. There's an argumentation that that helped the gay liberation cause or whatever. And now there are people who are very angry about this new movement that's like, oh, you can just say that you're queer. You can just say that you're a woman. People are like, no, 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 you're going to hurt the movement. This is like erasing all of the reasons why we got liberated in the first place, like all of the rights that people have today and protections 
were on the premise that it wasn't a choice. And so if you're going to erase that, I don't associate with you. Like, you need to stop mm. that. You're not actually a part of the community. Mm. And so there's a lot of infighting about this. And, yeah, I mean, I think that it's strange to me because it seems like the predominant take is that, oh, now it's all just a choice. So you can just announce that you're you know, like this company thing. Like, the LGBTQ people are like, oh, you have queer imposters in it. Like, if you just say you're queer, like, you are. And so, and, and if yeah. you just say it, you might not feel like like that girl. Like, oh, I just said I was a lesbian, but I'd never had sex with a, another woman, so I felt and like I was an imposter because I was just saying this and it wasn't true. And that's why personally, I don't like believe in any. I I I was gonna that like was a different like. I was gonna say like it, but <laughs> I didn't mean like 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 like. What I'm trying to say is <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that's I I don't believe in. I think both of those groups are wrong, but I think that happens a lot that people like those 80. I'm distracting myself with the like whatever. thing. Yeah. yeah. The 80s people f got made progress under a pretext in that pretext. I believe that argument basically is faulty, which it was yes. kind of a little bit kind of we a little never bit found the faulty. Gay gene. Yeah. Right. There was no gay gene. The biological stuff that like, doesn't it's like kind of iffy. It's not that great, but Eh. And so, but now they're going to protect their group because it right. worked for them. And now this group is going to have yes. something that works for them. And it's going to, and it's like, if we just Step stopped caring, it's so weird. Like it reminds me of the vaccine argument. There's this argument that people make about certain, I can't remember which vaccine it is, but these certain vaccine that... Um, one of the bad ones like polio maybe or something mm. that so, there was some disease that was on the decline just starting to decline from the climax right when they created the vaccine but it had already started the decline and then the vaccine gets to take credit for the decline even though it's not entirely certain that the vaccine caused the decline because it sure. came so late mm. in the game that it doesn't seem like it's but... probably, yeah, like they forced the correlation. I feel like that's kind of happening in society where if you stopped focusing, for example, on all the race stuff, just like black, white, black, white, black, white forever. Right, right. So stupid. If we just stopped talking anti -white, about it. Like Anti-black. Islamophobia. Exactly. <laughs> Christianophobia. <laughs> if we just stop talking about it, because the talking about it is is sort of like an unnatural thing. It's Whereas, unnatural. You have to construct the reality constantly to keep and all of the all, of this all the problems that 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 are the raison d'etre for these groups would actually probably almost completely disappear if they just didn't talk about it. Yeah. I I grew up and perhaps I'm not going to give too much away but I still live quite near the city that Oprah Winfrey visited. We grew up in the city that Oprah Winfrey visited in the 80s. In the 80s, just a few years ago. It's a KKK where headquarters. It was the KKK metropolis of the most unbelievable racism you could ever imagine. You can go to YouTube, look at it. And that was the city we grew up in. She came to the middle of fucking nowhere, which is not the middle of nowhere anymore, by the way. Thank you, Oprah. It's like the fastest growing county in the world at certain point, at certain times, or in the country for, you know, it goes up and down. But 
I know people that say the N-word here, but there's no, that's like, first of all, fully private. But even that guy, like it's, I'm talking about the most racist guy I know right now. Even he does business with black guys, is friends with black guys. It's kind of confusing. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to deny that it's racism. I will also tell you, I would not be remotely surprised or offended if black people said the same shit about him. Like, yes, fucking cracker backwoods. Hick it's motherfucker. Anyways, totally backwards. You know? No, we're totally lost in a conceptual reality that's completely constructed. And it's so crazy because it, it feels inverted. It feels like we are calling the things that aren't racism like the things that say this is anti-racism, those are actually racist. And- well, and that would get extinguished so quickly if it were just natural. You know, so this guy can never express his racism, you know, in a way that is problematic because nobody would accept it's so exceedingly rare, you know. No one would accept it. It's not like he could go to the counter yeah. at Starbucks and just be like, you N-word. And that everyone in the building wouldn't just shove him out the door. And it's an identity cult. Yeah, it's because all you have to do is think it. And those thoughts are the premise for which we can do racist things to you, like literally identity based discrimination on you because of your thoughts. Nothing has actually happened. But because you think this or because blah blah about you, well, you don't really agree with us about what the right thing is for the LGBTQ plus community. So that's enough to, you know, for us to fire you on the grounds of LGBTQ hate, even though you're actually a part of the LGBTQ community. And that whole conversation is actually causing the problem. So probably 10, 5, 10, wow, time goes fast. Maybe 10 years ago now, I would have been more certain of what I just said. So that guy goes into Starbucks, calls the barista the N-word. Five years ago... 10 years ago, I guess, I would have ducked my head and been like, someone's about to shoot this fucking guy for calling that guy the N-word. Like, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem that that just happened. Now that we've been hyper-focused on it for the past 10 years, again, like a renewed fervor over race and all all the different things, of, not just race, every all the stuff. Now, what that has this effect of causing the problem. Yes. So now I'd <laughs> actually look around and go, some someone might defend this fucking guy right now. You right. know, there might be one or two guys in here that might have just are just fed the fuck up with oh, being yeah. called, you know, with being called whatever this, X, that, and the y, other being set, called their the problem that they might actually find some respite, like reprieve in this encounter. And go fucking finally somebody's going to say something. Yeah, These, you know, exactly. But, it's, but what? Why is it more scary now? Should we? But and I think the reason is because there's o- only so many times. Because what those groups do is they form, they are exclusive, and then they are by being exclusive. The way that they find their exclusivity is by pitting themselves against something else. So yes, you pit yes. yourself against anyone basically who's just not in that group or doesn't accept that group, and then what? What that causes is all these new words we have like you're a homophobe, a misogynist, a racist, a fascist, a, right. you're uh, all the different subtle types a trans of racism. denier, a denialist, whatever, yeah. How many times, so when if you get called that all the time, what happens is you start getting fed up that you're being called something and then you, there's it's a natural evolution to go, 
Who is calling me that? Those people. Who are they? Those fucking LGBTQ plus IA. <laughs> and while that guy's sitting there pointing at who said it, he doesn't realize, well, less and less now, but it's that in reality, there's a bunch of people standing right behind him like you who are, who, who they, the group claims you're part of them, but you say, no, I'm not. And you're like, yeah, don't call this guy all those things. He doesn't seem, doesn't, I'm not calling this guy these things. And now he thinks I'm a piece of shit because I'm here with my boyfriend and he has a thousand opinions right. about yes, me now. Exactly. That's and what that's scares the, people. That's like the, uh, and that's what's funny is that they're thinking people have, I bet people don't have queer imposter syndrome more than they have. I'm afraid to be considered queer syndrome because yes. you fucking queer imposter psychopaths are making, making it everyone more dangerous. hate us. Yes, exactly. Literally making it worse because because I think that you can't even dye your hair blue without people forming opinions about you now. Right. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And it's crazy. I mean, I feel that. I feel like it is less. Quote, you're unquote, very, safe. very, very. You're <laughs> so quiet about it, and I think. I don't, I'm sure it's conscious because first of all, you just don't want people talking about thing, it, yeah, thinking but, about it yeah. first of all, but also uh, that's probably exacerbated at this point because you think, not because I actually care that somebody knows, like, oh, I'll just live my own life at some point. But now you know that uh, everyone around you that Someone's going to mistake me gonna... for that pearl-clutching, blue-haired, trans-interdimensional being that they right. want to kill or something. <laughs> and, they'll, and they'll treat you differently, too, or it, on both sides. So the, the people that, there'll be the guy who's like, oh, you probably think, blah, blah, blah. But then there'll be the other people. So you can't be treated normally by anybody because on the other side, they're going to be like, oh, my God, that's so yes. empowering. Yes. And, oh, and that's, that's just that's, that's just as annoying. <laughs> they're like, like, could you just call me? Could you just call oh me fag? God. Like that would I that's better than being patted on the back and told literally this I'm happens like empowering all the, the world. Every gay person you meet, all of a sudden they start acting different to you. And I'm like, oh, my God, please stop. I'm not that kind of person. Like, I'm like, I'm not what you <laughs> I'm think not I am. That kind of gay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so weird. But like and we I were buying that, shoes I, the other day, and that happened where this person will like immediately was like, "Let me tell you about the secret nuts counts." And I was like, oh my "Please God. stop!" Like I was like, "Can we actually have the fat slob it's the queer, straight it's the man queer in the corner and check us yeah. out?" <laughs> it's the queer coupon. Do you know about it? No. Yeah, at that I can imagine that would be if yeah, that's uh, that much. would be that's equally as problematic in my opinion. And there's a whole book I've never read it. I really want to read it, but I don't have strong compulsion like a reason but i see it all the time or i used to because i used to work at a bookstore and it would be kind of prominently displayed back then and it was a picture of this black guy in the cover who i'm just assuming was the author like the whole cover was just his face if i remember correctly and the title of the book was stop helping us Right, right. That's and, how it feels. Yeah. I wish people would just stop. And that's the irony. I mean, that guy, I told this story before, the old CEO of MailChimp wrote that whole email about the pronouns and like, we are trying to not do them. And that to me, like, that's what I want for 
the L blah, blah, blah letter people. I'm like, I wish someone would write that email about this community and would say, you know what? Like, let's just stop talking about the letters. You know, like, let's just stop. Yeah. It. You know, let's let's knock it yeah. off. It doesn't matter. And it does really yeah. change behavior. I'm thinking about it now. And I used to Kim, my person is I don't know why this is a thing, but we have seven. We could start a nail salon is all I'm saying. We have all the colors of every nail polish and she's painted my nails. She just loves fake nail polish. It's so pretty, sparkly, blah, blah, blah. So I've painted my nails and I don't go out much. So I don't even think about it. I don't even care. And there is a component of it that can get, you can get in your head. You start thinking about it too much and be like looking at your nails. It's a little weird. But once you've done it, you know, a couple of times, you don't even think about it anymore. And then I would notice like I would have a, a job interview or I would actually not even job interview. Sometimes I just have a customer back when I was doing other stuff. And if they had to come over, I had to actually interact with a customer. I would immediately like, oh, I got to get this off. Like that person's going to think something about me that I don't want them to think because I did weird stuff. Another thing, I've got like long hair. So it's different. So it didn't matter for what I was doing before. Long hair made sense. I went out to go do that title search thing with what what's his name. And I was wondering to myself, I wonder how much it matters to my hair. Think I, I kind of look, are they making assumptions yeah, about I, me? Yeah. Or that I'm not as, that I'm not as smart as I, as I might, you know, he's probably not, he's got long hair. He's kind of like a hippie. He probably doesn't understand a lot of the stuff, be hard, big words and stuff. Oh when I'm like, but I don't want to be, it's not that I don't, first of all, want them to make that opinion of me. It's also that I don't want you to treat me differently. Like give me just as harsh a treatment as if I am a high and tight haircut suit wearing douchebag. And, you know, that let me have the hard knocks and have to keep up with you. Don't dumb it down for me because I don't want, because I'll be held back if you do that to me. I won't learn as much. I won't get as good. Which I won't be exactly as fast. Which is exactly what's happening in these communities. I mean, people literally are infantilizing these minorities or whatever you want to call them. And it's as if they need yeah. so much help. That's what I hate about it. I'm like, I don't need your help, okay? I, I Being gay has never held me back, not once, not ever. And um, sorry, like, I don't need your help. And I hate that you say I need your help because it infantilizes me. It makes me feel, you're literally making me feel less than. And that is the same thing that you say everyone else is making gay people feel like. But no, you are doing that to other gay people and you need to cut it out. You need to cut yeah, it out. It's such it's a terrible. So it's mind melting and so unfortunate. Yeah, it's just nonsense. I mean, this article, the last thing I'll say about it is just was so funny because this person. Yeah, I mean, just think about all the stereotypes about these people you know and this person asks what's the most queer thing you've ever done and the person responds this person's name is max uh i went to the house of yes when i was in new york it's a club in brooklyn that's a true lgbtq plus paradise i wanted to know what it was like to take another step away from normativity so i wore a tight top and mascara it might sound superficial because of course being queer isn't only about looks but it felt amazing it's just like of course of course what's the most queer thing you've ever done going to a club and wearing mascara and a tank top yeah, that's the most queer thing. <laughs> like, so wow. queer. <laughs> oh, God, that is the identity cult. It's as if it doesn't have anything to do with your sexuality. And that's the in-group that people want to be a part of is the club and doing the performative parts of it and blah, blah, blah. And 
And yeah, I mean, there's another whole like subconscious element, I think, about the transgression of it all. And, you know, I mean, it's a very mischievous thing, I think, when these people talk about normativity like that. They're like getting off in some way to queering things. That's what it means. Queer means to break the stable categories, to disrupt stable categories, to cause chaos in a sense. And uh, yeah, people get off to that and it's, it's wrong. I feel like it's, a, it's literally a destabilizing force, not like I'm not characterizing it as that. That's what it is definitionally. That's what queering something is. It's a destabilizing force. And I think that it's disruptive to society. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that. I think that's actually definitionally what it is. Yeah, no, it is. It's preposterous. It makes, yeah, I was just reading that because I was featured in the bottom of the newsletter for Monica. Oh. <laughs> she, in her newsletter, her little kind of little, she has a lot in there, but her just thoughts kind of were that um, she mentioned Native Americans. There's a surrender speech from some chief or whatever, but. Then she said, uh, this is her kind of like little commentary talking about Native Americans and whatever, and, her, uh, and us. It says, my heart breaks for them and for us. Perhaps there's a lesson uh, to us all in broken promises of hypocritical policies of the United States government from the Indians to the slaves to our own propaganda-driven COVID-era exploitation. However, there's never been a Thanksgiving yet when I've not been thankful for so many blessings. Even growing up in relatively poor conditions, my father would often say, apropos of nothing in particular, how fortunate we'd be. We are to be born in the United States. Where is the part? She mentioned something, an interesting observation she had. Basically that she was saying this uh, surrender chief guy had mentioned in his surrender speech, a very short speech, to a, you know American general or whatever, some, a Native American chief, said, um, you know, I'm tired. He He knew that he was the last of a you know, one of the last of a dying breed, basically, for lack of a better term. Mm, for his tribe, the um, way of life. For his whatever. for the way of life. And he just kind of knew he's like, fuck, you know, like we, we they got us. Like we're we're toast. So mm. and he knew that. And, you know, your children basically recognize that his children wouldn't, you know, even be his children. You know, they went to different they go to mm. schools and get educated and yada yada. And that's the point that she was kind of making. It's like this isn't happening like that for us, you know, where it's happening all at once. Like, boom, they came, they beat the shit out of you. And she said, too, it wasn't, it was actually all at once, but also gradual for them. It took like 400 years, which is a long time. You think about it for that to really fully finish yeah. the whole Indians and American kind of combating. And, you know, what, what will that moment be? And will we even notice it where it, it's like that moment of your way of life is done? You lose. You don't know it, or maybe mm. you do. Like, do you? Know, are you gonna know when that when that comes? And it's so different that you don't even remember. Mm. It's hard to say, but it feels like interesting. Yeah, because these conversations, like we have about this, it's it's so. I feel it like when we're having them, and I think try to put myself in the listener's perspective, and it's like, is this so tedious? I mean, is it? And it is. And then I think sometimes we actually kind of figure it out. And then you realize that the message of figuring it out is it's not as stupid and simple as this, the, I don't, that's expert what they do, this whole queer imposter, like that's, it's genius because it's subversive. It's, you don't, we just expose what's going on, but you don't, you, it's, 
Chocolate Little Book, the propaganda, it he talks about it constantly. It plays on these Basic base instincts. kind of instincts yeah. inside of you that you don't, you can almost can't unless you're so focused and just, and you can't be because there's too much going on all the time that they get you on these. And he says it's like these base. He still, I mean, a hundred gajillion years ago, whenever he wrote that, it's literally he's still focused on hate and in group, out group, in group, uh, out group stuff. Just the tiniest, little, most obvious things in the world: progress, a better tomorrow. You know, all of that. Yes, and you just you want to glom onto it automatically, just. Right, you and that's how it can't, can't not do it. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. That's exactly how it operates. Is it's we're in this weird semantic soup where people call like what I appear or to me is actually regressive progress. You're like, well, it's progress because we're saying it's progress. But what I'm like, this is like a regression from all the progress we made, like in X community toward liberalism, toward a free society, a better society, one with more rights and individual freedoms. This is taking those away and you're like this is progress if you get on a train to go to a destination part of that the completion of that is getting off the train at the at the right stop if you don't get off the train you're worse off than you began because you'll be taken Mm. wherever that train goes and it might be it might not even be a passenger train by the time you end up wherever. You know, they might <laughs> yeah. just dump you into a furnace and turn you into bicycle wheels. Because oh where God. is it going? Yeah. You know what I mean? You you got to get off the train. So I feel like that's what we've done. Yeah. And, you know, you could think about it as coming full circle or whatever, but it's literally you just. This was a journey somewhere, and you missed we your stop. We forgot where we were even going. Yeah. And now they're just like, woo, we're on the train. You know, like we're never getting off the train. We're never getting off. It's amazing. It's yeah. perfect. Like, well, that's what they even keep say. Going they're further like, and further. there's never enough progress. There's always more work to be done. We'll never give up. And you're like, I think we've got it. We've already got yeah. things that we fought for. You know, like we yeah, can move on. There's only so much you can do in a train car. You know, <laughs> there's the rest of the world out here. You're on a fixed track and it go- only goes one place. So yeah. it's never enough. And that's the problem. It was enough to get equal treatment. Now people want preferential treatment. It was enough to have a seat at the table. Now people want to be the CEO. It was enough to, you know, whatever, be able to uh, be a stay-at-home mom and afford your uh, living situation. Now you have to be a stay-at-home mom and go to work and be promoted while you're on maternity leave. (laughs) It's like, what are we talking about? Yeah, it's... it's, uh... It's a lot. It's that's a for lot. Sure. It's a lot. Anyway. Anyway. Well. I yeah. It's fine. I had something, but we'll save it for next time. It's a little long, but it's probably good that we're not going to do it. It's a little Hamas related. But I heard the craziest thing. It's like so meta. What's happening right now? These protests where it's like Israelis for Palestine or Jews for Palestine. Like whoa, you're melting my brain. Yeah. And there is that. These protests. Some of them are, you know, they're organized to some extent. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, there's funding there to some of extent. Of course. There's always and funding. It always goes back to some government agency that wants to, or NGO or whatever it is. And the subversive thing about it is, I and I don't know if it was all, like, the Jews for Palestine, it was all kind of that meta version, or if it was some of them were Jews for Jew land, or Jew for Israel, or I don't know. 
But I do know that it was Jew-centric and the people funding it were the same, I don't know if you'd say the same people funding, there's a strong, strong, strong connection to certain like politicians. And if you know anything, then you know that these politicians particularly, if there are any kind of anti-Semitic politicians, these are the ones. In Israel or they're politicians from the United States? So it's like the people that are connected to Nomar, whatever her name is, Yolan Nomar, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, the people who are full Hamas Palestine people. This is hearsay because I give so little shit about those people that I don't actually go listen to what they say, but everyone in the world is saying that that's what they're saying. So I'm going to assume that they are and they're that progressive so i would assume they are saying that and so it's just interesting that the people funding these like quote-unquote jewish organizations are people who are let's could we call them jew haters or whatever you know basically not people who are kind of anti the jewish uh cause in this particular case and that's just for palestine movement that they're funding Funded by people who don't like Jews, but is who like the, that's the conclusion. Uh, but but would support yes. So it's almost like Politi- at least I can understand why you'd want that. Honestly, if you oh were, yeah, oh yeah. it's great, it's perfect, it's great. No one's ever yeah. going to find out. It doesn't matter. It's oh, it's uh, the best. It's exactly what. Well, you're, it's, while it's, we're it's on, really good. Yeah, the Hamas thing. The only thing I wanted to add to this because we can't stop talking about it is. I just keep having to think about this because Jordan Peterson, I feel I had some takes on it, but then Jordan Peterson talked about it. And I trust Jordan Peterson a lot to think deeply about things. But he said some, what to me seemed like very strangely uncritical things about the conflict. Um, Like just not very into the nuance of what's going on and like how Mm -hmm. the Israeli state was created and like recognizing that like the knock, but like we've talked about. And so... I got into it and I just came to this conclusion where I was like, you know, it's not that we shouldn't be pro-Israel because Israel has a lot of the... This is what he said? Oh, no, no, no. So he's very pro-Israel. But then I, this is my thinking. I was like, okay, yeah, not that we shouldn't be pro-Israel. So this is like me being more critical of what he's saying. I'm like, the fact of the matter is that Israel is a religious state. And it really doesn't vibe with the United States' freedom of religion and tolerance and a free society. Like, we acknowledge the separation of church and state, which I'm pretty sure isn't really a thing in Israel because the whole point of having an Israeli state is that you can follow Jewish law. But we don't say that for Islamic states. We don't like Islamic states. And we say that they're oppressive because they're following Islamic law. But we say right. it's okay when it's Jewish law. And so well, they say it's a democracy and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I don't know. Is bacon illegal in Israel? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. It probably is more liberal than. I think it is more Islamic. liberal than a typical Islamic state, but I'm pretty right. sure like things like the Sabbath, like I think there's stuff around that about like not working right. on the Sabbath and that's mm-hmm. like written into laws and blah, blah, blah. And so it's just a little weird to me. And obviously, like, is Israel is a pretty free society, so it's not like it's dogmatically religious, but it, I think it does have a religious component to it. And obviously, everyone is 
like a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people are openly Jewish and that that is a thing, you know, in the like institution, like the leaders can be Jewish. Whereas like here in America, I think it's kind of looked down upon if your religion is at the forefront. Like there's been a lot of criticism over this new speaker of the house because of how Christian he is. And I kind Mm. of understand it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, we're, I, I don't know that that's, because then it gets tricky because you're like, well, is freedom, like, what does freedom of religion mean if you can't run as a politician and have a religion? Like, you have to be atheist to run for politics? That doesn't mean freedom. That wouldn't be freedom of religion then, because then it just means you can't have a religion. So, And atheism I, is a religion anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. it, it, it comes with its own particular way of thinking morally, all that kind of stuff. Right. So I feel like you have to acknowledge that people can have a religion. But then when, obviously, everyone in the government is a certain type of religion, well, that begins to look like something a little different. Um, So anyway, I just thought that's the whole weird thing of it to me because people want this two-party state. And I was like, you know, ideally, if the Middle East were in an ideal situation, what would that look like? And in my mind, I'm like, it would look like not multiple countries. Like, why can't all of the people be a part of one country living in the area and have access to the holy sites that they all think are holy and precious and important? Why do we have to have certain regions controlled by certain religious groups? That seems not ideal regardless of, like the situation that got us to this point was that situation, was that certain land groups were controlled by certain religious groups. Yeah. And if you ask someone like Sam Harris, who I think is Jewish, but he's an atheist, but I think, wasn't he Jewish? I I could be wrong. But he, I have no idea what he says. I'm sure he's saying a lot now. His brain fell out during COVID, but- (laughs) He he probably at one point might have said that the answer, because in a way he's patriotic for this country, I think. he He's one of those atheists who almost um, deify or something the idea of a liberal democracy. And on a certain level, that's not the worst description of what could be maybe a good thing you have democracy and it's liberal meaning kind of free and right, open right. and and will do the so therefore the government's going to kind of do the bare minimum and you guys are all going to have to get along because that's kind of the law and if you're not getting along then you're going to start probably doing things that are against the law and then those will be dealt with and we're not making any judgments about well, he drank on the Sabbath or Muslim or Jew. Yeah. We don't care. We You don't murder. You don't do this. You don't do that. Otherwise, fight all you want. My kind of take is I'm, I imagine that the U.S. is like a person and people like just randomly around the world like get into disagreements and fistfights or something. And... The U.S. is like a guy who runs, <laughs> just runs up to every thing, every conflict, maybe starts half the conflicts, just like taps a guy on the shoulder and runs away and like, that fucking guy did it. <laughs> yeah. So, but then even if we're not doing that, we still apparently have this impulse to run and be like, we'll handle it, we'll handle it, I'll do it, let me get it. And then, and then now we're even worse. Now we decide who's right and who's wrong too. So we kind of pick a side eventually, you know, oh, we're... No, no, fuck you. Actually, yeah, he's right. Fuck you. Fuck you. We're going to fuck you up. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what are we 
doing? But we're not like, going to get is... involved. You're going to fuck him up. <laughs> yeah. You, you fuck him up. Well, well, I, I can't fuck him up. I am all, I'm tiny. Uh, here, here's a bomb. Bomb him. Go over. Get him. No, we got more. Yeah, we got more bombs. Get him. Get him. Get him. Get him. Uh, yeah, right. It's like, I just want peace. Like, <laughs> no, you're going to take yeah. him down. They're bad. <laughs> this is how you get peace. That's how we do it. And it's just a weird behavior. Peace through war. Now, I've been watching, we watched a little war propaganda last night. On Netflix, there's this thing called All the Lights We Don't See or oh something like God. that. Oh, my God. I that? watched that last night, too. Okay. I watched that last night. <clears throat> my favorite part. I didn't watch the whole episode, okay. so you might be able to spoil it for me, but that's fine. There's two favorite parts that I had. The first favorite part was when I'm yelling at the TV the whole time. The Nazis are marching into f- France, and the French just do nothing. It's like... France, what are you doing? <laughs> do something. You just do nothing. So that well, was interesting. I'm here. like, okay. They are taking and over. Then... <laughs> they're Russian so now. So this is how I, oh no, it was bad. The... All the Germans had British accents. All the French had British accents. Some of the French were played by Americans putting on not a French accent, but a British accent. It made it very confusing. <laughs> very. Unless, is Mark Ruffalo British? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he's American. But he had a British accent, but he was French. Very confusing. So he, all the whole the whole thing, the whole time, and in the very end, all we're waiting for is one thing: America. And eventually, so what is America doing? America has one presence in the whole show. All the Americans, you never see an American. You just see bombs, planes <laughs> oh dropping God. bombs. <laughs> So America's flying in, there's bombing, 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 and there's somebody's like giving them, telling them where to bomb to get the Nazis or whatever. And in the, at the end, basically, I guess it's a spoiler alert, but it's, I don't know if it's worth not spoiling, but l- literally, this is how it goes down. More bombs start coming <laughs> at the end. And there's a line. The bombs start falling, and that means... Freedom is here. <laughs> That's the line. Freedom is coming. And that the way we know is bombs are falling from the sky. <laughs> and I was like, this is so weird. What like why? This is why I'm saying it, everything is inverted. We live in the upside down. I don't know what is going on. Somehow war is peace. Freedom is slavery. Slavery is freedom. <laughs> Oppression is uh actually good and yeah, religious toleration is actually uh, religious uh, zealotry. It it made me scared because it it was so in that in the ways that I was describing so propagandistic. Oh yeah, that we are being. It made me think. Art. What I took away from it, that messaging, if you psychologically, war is a love story. It's romantic. It's patriotic. It's scary. There's bad guys. And there's good guys, and it's virtuous to kill. And it ends, you know, it it ends with bombs, and bombs are freedom. Like it was just the, it was just a weird, not subtle message of, like this is <clears throat> this is romantic kind of. It was very strange, and that scares me because it makes me think, why do you want me? Why are you trying to convince us that war is this, is is hell? But rom- it's a dark romance in a way you know it was very troubling and they did that last time we had something big come up i remember they came out with that the spy 
which I don't think lasted very long on the platform, but it was like about an Israeli spy. And it was really, I felt like it was right at a time when it, of course, we were all talking about spies, which is random. I mean, I don't even remember what the news story was anymore, but I was like, that's that. Like this show is this thing happening in the real world. And that's why it's here right now for me to understand a new way to understand spies and how good they are or whatever, whatever it's going on, you know, yeah. how it might look bad, but it's really good. It's also like the other series. I was watching the Messiah on Netflix. Weird story. It's about oh, Israel. I've and refused to watch that so far. Palestine. It is? Yeah, it is. Oh. It's literally about a conflict between Israel and Palestine. And I think what happens is that the Messiah comes from like Palestine or something. I don't know if he comes from West oh, Bank God. or Gaza or whatever. And then it causes this whole controversy. And then it's like this whole thing where it's like, is he the real Messiah? Or is he an operative? Is he deep state? Is he whatever, agent of chaos? And so the CIA is following him. And he's, it's really, it's total mind mess up, mind fuck. Um, mind fuck. Um, <laughs> please just flip that, that at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's, remember- I don't know what the predictive programming is there. Do you remember a couple years ago when there was a, the Suez Canal was blocked by that ship that got turned sideways? Oh, yeah. The woman captain who turned her ship got messed up in the canal. Here's an interesting video I found. I have no idea if there's any truth to this at all. I have not researched it yet, but I think I'm going to look into it. I just haven't had time for the war in Israel. This little strip of water between Egypt and Israel is what's called the Suez Canal. And it accounts for about 12% of the world's GDP and about five to 10% of the world's oil distribution. Now in 2022, Egypt made about $8 billion in transit fees from the Suez Canal. Not bad for Egypt, but you notice didn't sit well with the United States, France, the UK, and Israel. The other thing about the Suez Canal is that it's very narrow and it only goes one way. So for six hours a day, ships can only go this way. And then for another six hours a day, ships can only come back this way, which economically costs time and money. Then there was an incident back in 2021 where a ship actually jammed the Suez Canal, which cost about $10 billion a day. Not only that, but the United States Pentagon said that the Suez Canal traffic impacted U.S. military vessel movement. And you know they can't have that. So what was the alternative? It's called the Ben-Gurion Canal Project, which plans to be made cutting through Israel as an alternative route to the Suez Canal and also will be wider and deeper than the Suez Canal, which is important because the only way that trade can get from Asia to Western Europe is if it cuts through the Suez Canal. Otherwise, they would have to go all the way around Africa to get to this side of Europe. Now, guess where this Ben-Gurion Canal Project is being built through? That's right. Gaza. I'm no conspiracy theorist, but you do the math. Anyway, did you say something? I was just saying that's a huge construction project. That thing is going to be cut through a huge swath of land like the size of the state of Georgia. It's really weird. So I have not heard anything about that. The Ben-Gurion Canal never even heard it mentioned once from what I remember. So if that is something being built, it's like anything. It's it should sounds really, really, really important. It's a big project, it's really and you would think people might talk about it, but 
No. I heard anything about it. Thank God, of course not. No, because the news isn't isn't doing anything. The news is just entertainment. It's literally just entertainment. I mean, they don't even talk about problems. Like, they say there's so much amazing stuff going on in the world today, and then they just tell you, like, a bunch of random shit. It's like, isn't this supposed to be about the issues that are facing our society? Like, isn't that what the news is for? Like, what's going on, and, like, how does it impact me? How should I be an active citizen? No, that's not what the news is anymore. It's just, it's completely... Weird. I was watching the news this morning, and I just thought that. Anyway, anyway, yeah, I don't know. That seems suspicious, suspicious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of things suspicious with this whole conflict. Yeah, the other only Gaza thing that I came across recently that was interesting is the Tim recent Tim Dillon podcast, and he has some hyper Jew person, like totally pro Israel. I mean. I don't know. She kept saying things that were like, I'm moderate and I don't think everything Israel does is good, but she didn't say anything bad about Israel. So I'm waiting for the next episode where he might be like, he might say Critical. what he really thought about what that lady was saying. So I don't know, but uh, it was weird. It was, I'm trying to figure out why he had her on there because there was, he brought up, he's like, didn't Israel kind of fund Hamas? And she just goes, that's bullshit. <laughs> that was her answer and I'm like I I don't think that's actually what that's called I don't think it's bullshit I think it's uh, a little bit true actually oh my um, god yeah I don't know it's, I it's think new it do. might be nuanced but it's not bullshit yeah they do I don't know who they are but weird guests go on podcasts sometimes like Russell Brand got pilloried in the news recently and then right after that he had all these weird guests come on his podcast like saying the craziest shit and you could tell that russell bland bland russell bland (laughs) russell brand did not like what they had to say and seemed really unenthusiastic like almost tired and for russell brand that's wild because he's on coke all the time at least he's yeah and it was his here's your deal with all this goes away you just have these people on your something like that's what it seemed like because the guys were saying like, just the weird, like, the one person said about research, he was like, the p-value was less than 0.001, so that's how you know there's a very, very low, or not, he didn't even say very low, he said, that's how you know we're not making any mistakes. And I was like, um, you're not a researcher if that's what you think p-values mean, because they definitely don't mean that you're not making mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just for the, that's just for the statistics you're running. Right. It's just... That, that's yeah. all. How good the statistics are, given all these assumptions, how well they might represent a population from a sample, but you still... Yeah, you can make mistakes in your research. It cannot be representative. All these assumptions can fail. Blah, blah, blah. blah. There's a ton of reasons you could be yeah. making mistakes. You could totally misunderstand the problem, but the p-statistics could still be correct. Like, it's just wild. But he was some yeah. researcher on bias and polarization and whatnot, and I just thought it was so weird what he was saying then there was another guy on there who was talking about persuasion and he was like trump is a master persuader and he uses all these tactics of persuasion and i was like oh trump was it uh, what was not, his name i can't remember but i guarantee i know who it is he was just saying stuff like just stupid shit he was like all these things and i was like those are just normal conversational texts and that's kind of what russell said too he was like um you just mean like how people communicate like i don't think trump is a master persuader <laughs> I bet that was I bet that was Scott Adams. Probably. I don't know. I don't remember. But yeah, anyway, so I think there's something going on with those podcast guests or whatever, what happens when 
something weird going on. Somehow these guests get on these podcasts, and I wonder, who is this, really? Well, a lot of them, even ones that are not that interesting, you know, there's nothing, no political anything. You see, like, even uh, Something's Burning with Burt Kreischer, comedian podcast, he cooks food for people, whatever, totally whatever. And he had these guys on there, the uh, the, the TV show guy, I can't even remember what their show was called. But they're doing some tour. So whatever. They're on the podcast. But they're on the podcast at that time for that for a particular reason. It's because they're on tour and they're there to kind of promote it. Although 99% of the podcast is just conversation, shooting the shit, talking, laughing, cooking. They're there for right now because of this opportunity. Because they're doing a tour. And so it's not like I just wanted to have these guys on. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's like these guys wanted to be on, and I like that idea too. And they have a thing to promote. You know what I mean? Like it, there's always seems like there's something. Oh, and yeah. it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. But you extrapolate that to more important things. It's not just I wrote a book recently. It's about to be published. I have a TV show. I have this. I have that. It's I have a message about the war. I have a thing to say about this military thing we're doing. I have you know, and that's. When Joe Rogan starts having all these guys on there like XCIA or this FBI dude or this war guy, you know, and it's not random. They're there. Whether he says he chooses them all fine, but there's always some degree of what you might call a motive, an agenda or something. It's not simply sharing information. It's not just that. No, there's some other stuff that goes on for sure. And how read into it the podcast hosts are, I don't know. Maybe they're never read in. Maybe sometimes, maybe always. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe sometimes it catches them by surprise. They don't even know who this person is. I mean, how could you know all these people? I mean, you're a celebrity, but that doesn't mean you know everybody. And so you probably just see a name. You're like, oh, I'm going to talk to this person today. And then they come on and later out you find they're a CIA operative. And you're like, oh, wow, I guess I talked to a CIA operative for two hours. Which is, in a way, that's fine. I mean, how else could it happen? I mean, you're Joe Rogan. Some guy, we're at war. Some war intelligent guy you know says oh, i could be in your podcast to talk about that you go oh, of course that makes sense we're in war you know war stuff let's talk about the war thing and then okay whatever but it's just for like people regular people to know that everybody everybody has an agenda yeah even, even if no joe agenda rogan's show. agenda <laughs> exactly but even if the agenda is just to have a topical, relevant conversation. That might be Joe Rogan's agenda, but that doesn't mean that's the agenda of the guy that he has on. Right, right. And you just have to always consider that Why are people they saying have what they're saying? opinions. Yeah. Right. What's their motive, their incentive? They to have an angle. What they believe. Yeah. 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 Anyway, okay, I gotta go. This has been fun. Don't shoot nails into okay. your hands. Oh, yeah. Um, and definitely do... Uh, Resolve your queer imposter syndrome. If you feel Definitely. like you've ever thought that a person who is not straight is interesting, you're probably gay. Yeah, and help them. They need your help. They're weak and they're empowered, but they're they need help. A lot of help. They need all help. The help you they need them. you to give up all of your goods, belongings, possessions, privileges, and reallocate them to them because they will never be able to achieve them on their own. Only through you 
giving away your possessions and privileges yes. yeah will be how they can achieve them be um, queer support israel um right stand with hamas things. other good things yes yeah do all the things do all the things stay, stay trendy stay trend stay on trend stay <laughs> on brand listen to all the podcasts uh believe both sides of the argument, completely contradictory yes. things. Yes. Do and do not get the tetanus vaccine. Um, <laughs> do and do not get the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Reduce Bel- and, in- and and increase inflammation with ice. Yes. So we've covered a lot today. Very the globe helpful. is warming and it's cooling. Support global mm-hmm. climate change efforts and global uh, whatever you, pollution efforts, uh, both. Pollute. Yes. yes. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's the recipe for uh surviving in this world today, you know, just making it fitting in, being in the inner circle. Fit in. Fit in, which is the opposite of belonging according to uh that researcher. I can't remember her name. She's at the UT Austin. What's her name? Oh. Shit. That's Whatever. a weird name. Brene Brown. <laughs> Oh, she that sounds familiar. Yeah, she's good. She's also crazy. She wrote some books. Yeah. Yes, I've heard. She's she's both. She's a good example of being both. Is she kind of a manifest your destiny kind of person? No, she's kind of like a like anti-corporate culture. Like she's a person who's like belonging, fitting in his opposite of belonging. It's like belonging is being in a place where you can be who you are, which is kind of true. But then she also gets like a little radical where mm. she's like, I'm not doing enough to be an anti-racist. And you're like, Renee, you also have interesting takes about empathy and caring and community. So it's just, I don't know. She's got a little, a little wild out there. She's got some specials on Netflix. So, you know, she's. Oh, she's, yeah. She's important. Yeah, she's important. She's. <laughs> She's an operative. Watch the TED Talk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I heard the crazy... This is just... Who even cares? But this is the craziest story I heard. There was a guy, a YouTuber, pranking somebody in public. You know, one of those, like, come up to you and, like, be annoying on the street to you. And he was in a mall, though. This dude who he was, like, shoving his phone in his face or something. This YouTuber trying to get, you know, likes or whatever. So this dude pulls a gun out and shoots him. He doesn't what? die. Jury finds the guy not guilty. How? Because that guy's being annoying as fuck and he deserved it. Wow. Oh, so the guy who, okay, I had it backwards. The person who was doing the prank and got shot. Got shot. I thought the prank guy... was to shoot the other guy. And I was like, wow, no. this is getting really wild. <laughs> this guy was just getting really annoying. in this to another level. He would not leave the guy alone, and the guy looked looked like a twenty two. Pulled out his little twenty two, just pop, got him. Damn. And then he he might have got one gun charge, but he did not get charged for shooting that guy. Wow. Jury, and that gave me hope. In <laughs> our oh god, oh, oh I'm god. just saying because yeah, I know what like, you mean. But self defense. I mean, it was I just don't like what shootings in public. I don't want to have to shoot someone. I don't want someone. Oh to no, get no, shot. no. Yeah, I want no, people the, to stop being annoying. It's hopeful. It's not hopeful about the annoying people. It's hopeful that the jury said, "Yeah, that's inappropriate behavior," and that yeah. guy was basically being accosted. And right. what are you gonna do? You know, he didn't kill him. He didn't shoot him in the head. Hmm. He just got him, and the guy stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, very interesting story I found. 
Interesting. Interesting. And okay. I think it was in Washington State, even weirder. So there you go. Oh, weird. Interesting. All right. All right. Well, goodbye. We'll see you next time. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> oh.